LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh King, and this is the podcast for the established church by established church leaders. Uh, I already said my name is Josh. I'm joined, as always, with my good friends Sam and Micah, who are also established church leaders. How are you guys today? I'm doing great. Are you? As always. I mean, would I ever, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe if I was having a bad day, I would I would say it. But today's right. a good day. Today is a good day. Micah, you doing all right? Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I mean, yesterday was a great day. Today yeah. is, uh, today is, uh, it's not a bad day, but it's not like particularly awesome. It's a day. <laughs> well... <laughs> It's a day. And I love Mondays normally, but today's a day, you know. It's just a typical day. You know, I'm pretty excited. I know we try to, for those of us, who our listeners may not accept this, but we actually do have pre-recording talks where we say, let's talk about something other than the weather and other than sports, you know, just to kind of get going. But my Longhorns are in the Big 12 championship. <laughs> So I can't, I can't help it, man. This is the, we're, we're the best we've been in nine years. I was explaining to my seven-year-old son, who's only known the Longhorns in a rebuilding year after year after year after year, that uh, we're doing pretty decent. I like it. We got to play OU again, which is scary. But yeah, I have, I, I know college football okay, but I don't, I don't follow it, Josh. So I don't really care. I know you don't. That's all right. Well, it was a good, yeah, a good weekend for me because I'm a Gator fan. But the better thing was yesterday I got to baptize my son. So that was a uh, that was, was a pretty, pretty amazing. I saw the pictures; those were so cool. It was really, really, really cool. Got to baptize my son, and I got, and then I thought this was really cool. I got to baptize um, a young guy; he's about 23 years old that I've been discipling, who just graduated from college. And then as soon as he got out of the water, he turned around and baptized another young guy that he's been discipling. That's cool. That's yeah, very it was, cool. It was really cool. I love that. Your son, though, you know, I've been following this story, you know, with you for a long time. And uh, I don't know, that kid went from like 8 to 30. Looking. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he just, he just yeah. grew up all of a sudden. Since, uh, since we brought him home from Africa, he has grown four or five inches and like 45 pounds in almost two years. He's a full-grown man. Uh, sitting in that bat- baptistry uh, yeah. trough thing y'all were using, I was like, man. We use a horse huge. trough. You would need a horse trough for your son. <laughs> He's a big dude. He is a big <laughs> kid, man. So um, on Twitter, we kind of threw out this idea. It went uh, a little left of where we wanted it to go. It was the idea of if you were going to pick a denominational or a network, you're part. All of our churches are a part of things. I, I even think saw the south. Yeah, it headed south. It went like south and left. South towards Florida where <laughs> Sam lives and all the strange people in Sam's area of the world. It's true. It just I, went. I love, I love my bizarre people here in Florida. <laughs> I am among them. I am one of them. It went negative. It, and so, and, you know, thanks to anonymous accounts. I love anonymous accounts. They're like the weeds of the garden of Twitter. But, you know, it went <laughs> south. It went negative. Um I think our intent was just to kind of poke fun at yourself, your own network, your own denomination, your own tribe, as Micah likes to call it. 
And what would be the mascot of your tribe if it was an animal? It has to be an animal. Somebody put a, um, what was the one for Southern Baptist? It was like a, a potluck or a crock pot. That was going to be. <laughs> yes. Got disqualified. Well, I, can, I, I can maybe, tell Maybe you. they kill the animals and they put them in the crock pot. <laughs> I, I can tell you that when, uh, you know, a few years ago, we had this name change task force looking at changing the name of our denomination, and people could submit suggested names. And my favorite was um, Baptist United Bible Believers of America or something like that. I want you to think about that acronym for just a second. <laughs> Bubba. That took the me Bubba, a while. The Bubba that tribe. Took me a while. I had to write it down. I laughed at that one. <laughs> the Bubba Church. Bubba Church. So uh, I would have so, voted for that one just just because just out on principle. Really, just just yeah, on principle. Really good joke. Why not? <laughs> so uh, it can't be a crock pot. The the suggestion that Sam and I had when I we were talking about crock pots. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> maybe cracked pots is the better way to put it. Probably. Is an elephant. We thought that would be a good Southern Baptist mascot if we were going to pick one for the Why? Because half of them are Crimson Tide fans? That. um, It's large. Um, It is. It it never forgets anything, apparently. It never forgets. There were some other characteristics that we thought. Association with the Republican Party. There's that. true, too. There's that, too. So, yeah. So, poking fun at Southern Baptist, which we love. And then the only other one we could come up with was, uh, what's the tree chicken? I can't think of. The tree Bitch. chicken? The what? <laughs> this is why our listeners are staying tuned. Tree chicken. What's that, what's that animal called, what you're Sam? talking about. Um, turkey? No, the lizard thing that's down the, in South Wait Florida. They're tree eating. chicken lizard? Mm-hmm. The iguana. Mm-hmm. Iguanas. Iguanas. Oh. They are um, chicken of the tree. Anyways, we thought that they would be the Scientologist. Because they're kind of odd, and they're up in the Listen, tree. I love the fact that you, you – I think it was you that, that made the Unitarian Universalists the unicorns. That's right, man. And then somebody decides to make a gif of me on a unicorn, and we posted that online too. So. Oh, that was fantastic. Which was phenomenal. We did. That was awesome. Sam, what were you – what was the gif uh, – I like to call it gifs, by the way. I'm, I know there's a debate on that. But what were you? I never uh, saw Sam's. You never saw Sam's? No, I, I would have shared it. it. You did post it, I thought. No, I only shared yours and mine. I never right. saw a Sam. I need to see a Sam. So tweet that to me. Now, Josh, t- bring bring this back together. Why does this have anything to do with our topic today? Because we like to work outside of our tribe, and that's challenging, though, sometimes. And uh, so we were kind of thinking about this originally, and then we had some ideas about the mascot. But the question is, what are some ways in which you work outside of your tribe? So we have our tribe, which I – let me just say this. I think it's a good thing. I think you should kind of hang out with uh, like-minded believers. You should work very closely with other churches that are very similar in beliefs. I don't think you should exclude those who are similar to you um, in some sort of pietistic view of ecumenicalism or something like that. But I do think that um, we should work positively with those outside of our tribe. And so the question is, how do you do that and maintain you know, uh, theological integrity, practical integrity, those sort of things? Well, I mean, I, I think this is one of those areas where Al Mohler has been really helpful for us. You know, he provided a paradigm called theological triage a few years ago where he said there's different levels of partnerships based on different levels of agreement. And I think he's completely right about that. Um, Francis Schaeffer used to talk about something called co-belligerency, you know, the idea that there are certain areas where we can work together with people who we might not necessarily always agree on. 
um, on everything about. And so I would say, you know, as uh, so I'm a Christian, right? I'm not only a Christian, but I'm an evangelical Christian. And, uh, and then I have my particular theological bent. So that shapes the way I am. But there are pr- projects that I'll work with non-evangelical Christians on. There are projects I'll work with non-Christians on, right? There's projects I work with Muslims on, uh, or, or, you know, or Jews or, or other projects on. It just depends on what the project happens to be and uh, what level of agreement is necessary for us to be able to walk hand in hand together before, you know, trouble uh, arises. I, I love Ed Stetzer, you know, who we all know and, and I used to work for, and, and so he's a big influence in my life. Stetzer likes to say when it comes to partnering together, like um, uh, Baptist and Presbyterians can partner together in a lot of ways, you know, like evangelism and that sort of thing. But church planting is probably difficult because at some point in time, somebody's going to come to Jesus and you've got to decide, do we need a bathtub or do we need a bowl to <laughs> baptize them? And, and I mean, that, that's, a, that's a joke, but it's a legitimate issue. Like you're going to have to figure it out. And there's genuine disagreement there. So, you know, I think it depends on what you believe and, and to what extent your agreement um, allows for some sort of partnership together. So, I mean, I, we, we partner with all sorts of people. We, dis, we, you know, we agree, disagree with it. It just depends on the project. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sam? Do you have any input in this? Yeah, you know, Mike has provided some great paradigms. Um, I would just say, you know, you need to ask yourself, we're talking about partnering with other people. You know, is this a local or is this beyond local sort of connection? Um, so I tend to give priority to my local connections. These are people I, I live with, I'm here with them, <clears throat> assuming they're believers, you know, trying to do kingdom work in my own neighborhood, um, n- not to the neglect of any sort of national or international mission. Um, but when we're talking about building bridges, you know, building those local bridges is, is very, very important. Um, so that's kind of the first thing that I would say is you need to, if you're, you're if, you know, if you're going to build a bridge, try to build a bridge locally. And then um, in terms of partnership, get to know the person first. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you, they may come from a different denomination. They may come from a different tribe. You may be even one that you have some, you know, you hesitations about, um, put all those aside, take somebody out to take somebody out to lunch and get to know them. Um, and, and just, you know, get to know the individual that, that, that that's in front of you. Right. Um, so I would, I would, I would say that, you know, before we even start talking partnership, let's, let's know the person. Um, and, and I think we, we skip that sometimes. We just assume mm-hmm. that just, well, this person's part of this tribe, so therefore I would not like them or I don't need to do anything with them. Um, take the time to get to some—it will do you well. Take the time to get some nobody to, to know somebody that's not part of your tribe. You know, what I find so interesting is how we are much more— or I see people be much more um, antagonistic towards people who are actually part of their tribe but differ on smaller things. And much more forgiving on people who are completely outside of their theological framework. And they just kind of feel like one is, um, you know, following the unity that Christ talked about. They will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the other one we feel is just so unforgivable. And a lot of times it's pragmatics or something like that. And so within our family we fight, and then outside of our family we're very forgiving. And so I find that very interesting that sometimes – you know, um, we need, like you said, we need to talk and uh, get along a little better without kind of disagreeing or, or get to know the other person a little more before we are so mad at them. Sam, that was directed. Yeah, to we are known. One historian has called our tribe a contentious lot. A contentious um, bunch. That's right. Yeah, we, <laughs> we can be, no doubt. Um, but we and listen, that's upon us to break that mold. Right. Um, you know, that we, we're the ones that got to step up. So, I, yeah, man, um, 
Well, you know, the I, other I thing... Like, I, like working, I like working outside of my tribe. It keeps me fresh. And, you know, I do... I do consultations, you know, I help churches. Um, I've got a nonprofit that, that I, that I, you know, that I run that's, you know, broadly evangelical. Um, and I'm very much part of, you know, the tribe that has raised me, Southern Baptist, and, you know, that I'm, that I'm definitely still a part of. But I, I enjoy reaching out. I, I, and, you know, if, if you find yourself in a place where you detest building a bridge beyond your little inner, inner circle, you're probably in a bad place. I mean, you're probably too narrow. Mm-hmm. In in your, I won't say too narrow in your beliefs, but too too narrow in your practice. Um, I mean, we're we're in a we're in a season in our country and even globally where um, we, we need each other. I mean, you know, if, like-minded believers need to be uniting, um, not not dividing. I mean, it, 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 there is way too much work to be done. I know that's a cliche, but there's just way too much kingdom work to be done for us to be having these little spats on. Twitter and fighting, you know, among each other and politicking in the in the hallways of denominational meetings and things. I think right. Sam and I get that all that happens, and maybe I'm idealistic, um, but man, I, I I long for that day. I think you bring up a really good point, Sam. I think one of the things that compels us to multi-tribal partnership, cross-denominational partnership, is. Um, <clears throat> is sort of pressing need, right? So as an example, when my wife and I were missionaries in West Africa, we were way out in the bush in this village, and there was one evangelical church in the village, and it averaged five people in attendance. But we would go to church there, and we would partner with the people who led the church even though it was a denomination that in the U.S. I would have never thought of myself as going to a church regularly in that denomination. Well, I get to West Africa, and they were the only people there who even knew or loved Jesus. All of a sudden, they became really good friends, even though theologically we would have disagreed on some points. I remember when I was a pastor in another city, and I used to be involved in a cross-denominational prayer group with other pastors, and I invited a pastor from my own tribe to come join us. And he said, Micah, just to be honest with you, I just don't need them. I have everything I need right here in my own tribe. And both both of those illustrations reveal that when we, when we don't have a sense of need, right, it doesn't compel us to reach out beyond where we're at, where we have a sense of satisfaction where we are. And I think, uh, I mean, look, American Christians are not being persecuted. I, I know that rumor is, you know, not rumor, but that idea is out there where, you know, American church is being persecuted. It's not. But it is true that there's some marginalization going on, right? Culture is shifting away from a Judeo-Christian ethic, and we get that. The more that increases, the more multi-generational partnerships are going to be necessitated, I think, because we're going to increasingly feel a sense of need for one another, mm-hmm. um, you know, for partnership, camaraderie, um, you know, working together to see the gospel advance, that sort of thing. I think one of the keys is how how we frame it. And I think your friend there in the other town saying, I don't need them, uh, would bring out something to which I would reply, and I'm sure you did in some ways, it's not about your need. Like, we're not I don't need them either. We no, don't I actually really... said to him, you do need them. <laughs> you just oh, don't really? know it. I, I told him, I said, you do need them. You just don't know it. I mean, that's our problem. We have this sense of sort of being fat and happy, and we don't recognize the value mm-hmm. and the benefit that they could provide in our lives uh, to, for us to be broadly friends with people who are not always mm-hmm. exactly like us. It's beneficial to us. And I think there's some implications in the way we lead our churches as well. We, the people who come into a church that say, well, you know, like you, the same thing you would respond to somebody who says, well, I don't really need church. I'm a Christian. I've got God. I've got my Bible. I don't need church. And well, you're looking at it wrong. You do a, like you said there. Mm-hmm. And then also a lot of this has to do with their need for you and yeah, the community right. that you build. And so 
it's how we frame the conversation. Another aspect that I do want to point out and be careful here is that I think, you know, I go through seasons where I'm like, man, all of these different tribes and denominations are so annoying. They happen because we can't get along and such. And the other side of that is I don't know that they all happen because we can't get along. I think some of them, generally speaking, I think they happen because we actually do disagree on some points that we think are important. So the reason I point that out is when I walk into these uh, multi-tribe meetings, multi-tribe, they're usually prayer gatherings or some sort of project that we're working on. I walk in part of my belief system. I am who I am and I believe this stuff. I actually believe what I'm preaching and what I'm teaching and what I'm communicating to the congregation. I think that that's fine. I think you're allowed to do that. But going into these meetings, they're uh, belief system is not going to rub off on me. You know what I mean? And so some people don't go over and hang out with the person a part of another tribe or denomination because they're like, that'll that'll somehow call my integrity into question. And I would really push back on that. Just be who you are, go into that. And I think there has been some of the most beneficial relationship I've had as a Southern Baptist was with a Church of Christ uh, minister. He and I would uh, sharpen one another. We would you've got pushback. You've got somebody looking at the Bible from a completely different perspective a lot of times, and that helps me on my belief systems. One of the reasons these things go south or are negated is when we either go in trying to change everybody's opinion or we go in uh, laying all of our theological framework outside of the door and we don't bring it into the conversation. I think bringing it in helps us in a respectful and a cooperative manner. Hey, can I, can I tell a story? Of course. Now you have to let me. Because I, I jumped in. Um, <laughs> Did you raise I told, your hand? Have I, my, have I told my Lord's Supper story with the Christian church? I don't think so. I don't, I'm, okay. I'm not familiar with it. Okay, so um, I, I've got I, I, some of my closest friends in, in my community are not part of my quote-unquote tribe, even though now we ha- we're kind of our own tribe, even though we come from all different backgrounds. You know, So we've got Methodists and Presbyterians and Baptists and Christian church and y- you name it. You know, Because you know, down here in southwest Florida, I mean, we're not like— as um, there's the dearth of uh, religion isn't quite as bad as say New England, but it's pretty bad down here. So we we just you know any friends you can get that are church leaders you, you take them, um, and I've got some pretty good ones down here. And so um, we had a Sunday where we ran out of communion cups mm. um, because we still pass the brass trays and the sippy cups and the you know little bits of bread, even right. though it's don't tell my church it's gluten-free so it's soy it's not even you know it's not even real <laughs> bread but um but th- that's a whole nother topic the, the crackers <laughs> they're not even crackers they're just they're, they're beans um so um so we ran out of communion cups and and you know everyone's you know the, the lord's supper team i mean everyone's kind of having a freak out moment because you know because life was not open on sunday exactly <laughs> um, and and so i I said, I know, I, I know somebody that's got plenty. Of because they take communion every week. Supply. <laughs> so I called my Christian church buddy. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, listen, um, I need some help. And he, of course, they came through. He's my friend. Yeah. I, I, I can't live this down. Like, <laughs> if you know anything about Baptist and Christian churches and mm-hmm. the Campbellite movement and the that's history right. of the tension between mm-hmm. Baptists and what became now Christian churches— and and all of the battles that were fought in in Kentucky and Tennessee in that area, like literal um, battles, 
Oh yeah, no, 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 no. It was a. <laughs> it, I mean, if you if you do your church history, it was a strange and weird right. time, and it was very, very tense. Um, and now here I am. I'm buddies with this guy, and he says, "Oh, this pleases me to no end <laughs> that I get to have a say in how Baptists do their Lord's Supper." Um, and, and to this day, it's a joke. Now here's the here's here's the That's point. That's funny. My people, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe your church is different. Maybe our listeners' churches are different. There ain't anybody in my church that knows the history of Christian churches, Baptist churches, Campbellite movement, all that stuff. And maybe they should. I mean, there's something to church history, and I, I, I'm actually a fan of teaching more church history. But um, but my people, they don't know it. They don't care. Mm-hmm. And they're just relieved that the church that's literally half a mile down the road from us, that the pastors actually get along. Yeah. <laughs> I think, literally, I'm, I'm, none of my people are going to go over there. None of his people are going to come to my church. I mean, we're not sheep swapping or anything like that. Where everyone's just kind of like, okay, whew, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are friends. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and when you get down to ground level, when you get down into the weeds of just what's actually happening in the lives of the people in your church, they mo- most of them aren't caught up in this garbage. It's right. the leaders. Mm-hmm. It's the pastors. So keep that in mind. I mean, if you're having tensions with another church, you know, it's often it's pastor to pastor. It right. is. It is. Church to church tension can happen, and there are church splits. And we, you know, we're Harmony Baptists, and we went down and planted New Harmony Baptist. And right. you know, you friendly know, that, that happens. But ninety percent of the time, nine out of ten times, it's pastors getting at each other. It's mm-hmm. church leaders getting at each other, not the people. My people are just glad. Oh, you get along with uh, Westside and Tim down there. I'm like, yeah, man, he's a great guy. He's my friend. Like, oh man, I'm so glad you guys are friends. All right. Speaking of church history, could I do a little segue here to one of our sponsor podcasts, which is Living and Effective, fantastic podcast that looks actually on the history or some historical topics. One of my very favorite. Uh, let me read a little bit of it to you. On Living and Effective, which is a new podcast from Christianity Today and the Christian Standard Bible, you will hear difficult questions and find surprising answers about how God's Word has changed the world. Have you guys uh, heard much about this, Listen, had opportunity to listen to it? It's, it's a great new podcast. I mean, and we wouldn't be talking about it, really, unless it was top-notch. So I, I've enjoyed it. It really does give you a different perspective. It's fresh. Um, I, I encourage all our listeners to go check it out. I listened. I love it so much. I listened to it, and then I listened to it all again uh, with my wife. We listened to it, and they recently had a bonus episode in which they got some of the uh, the what do you call it, like the editing room floor clips, and put those in there. And then you've got uh, uh, some dialogue on what's going on with it. It's so good, top quality stuff. So I want to encourage everybody to check it out on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitch, all of those sort of places. Living and effective. It's very good. You listen with your wife? Well, we were it was Thanksgiving. We were driving. Oh, okay. And she wanted to. She wanted to. Picture of both of you with your headphones, like sitting around a fire on a like teenagers. We've got one earbud in each ear. That's how they spend their evenings together, sitting (laughs) around the fire, listening to to podcasts together. Yes. uh, No, that's not what we do. Um, But uh, (laughs) we were just driving, five six hour drive. We listened to a lot of them, and they were so good. They were great. My kids actually listened to them as well, which is some. Tough topics, especially when you're talking about civil rights movement and that sort of stuff. But um, good, good dialogue, especially since we're an interracial family, talking about kind of what happened historically and and those sort of things and how the Word of God speaks against those habits or so, propensities. So moving back to our topic for the day, I have a theory that I've been working on for a few years. I want to see what you guys think about it. I think there's one specific event over the past 30 years 
that has massively shifted the way we see and think about cross-tribal investment, learning across tribes, partnering together. I think it's the advent of the internet. Follow me here. When I was a kid growing up, um, my dad was a pastor. We used to go, Sam, similar to you, we would go to these conferences and everybody we would hear speak would be people from our tribe because the conferences we went to were our tribe's conferences. And um, it was the only people I knew. I mean, everybody I knew who was a hero of mine growing up as a kid who was a pastor or religious leader or something like that, they were all from my denomination. And then the Internet happened. And instead of me just going to those conferences and getting their cassettes and then recycling them over and over again, so I'm aging myself here, dating myself, Mm -hmm. the Internet comes along and blogs pop up, social media pops up, podcasts pops up. And now all of a sudden I'm finding myself constantly learning from people that I might not have ever even known about otherwise. Uh, And so there's that. First of all, it opens me up to a lot of people who are outside my tribe. And then second of all, I realize I really like what a lot of them have to say. And I can't help but wonder if one of the things we've seen over the last 30 years, which we have seen, is sort of some denominational distinctives fade or disappear a little bit. Uh, I mean, if you walk into... Um, you know, North Point in Atlanta with Andy Stanley, or you walk into James River Assembly of God in Springfield, Missouri, which is the largest predominantly Anglo Assembly of God in the country, or you walk into the Summit Church in Raleigh-Durham, which is Southern Baptist. So you've got non-denominational Assembly of God in Summit, which is Southern Baptist. They're all three very, very large. Their services all basically look the exact same. They're singing the Mm -hmm. same songs. They've got the same platforms. You're hearing... I mean, there'll be some distinctions in the messages, but, you know, not horribly different from each other. And I can't help but think that the Internet has facilitated that at a much faster rate. What do you guys think? I completely agree. I also think yeah, not I only would. the denominational thing that you're talking about there, but just our actual beliefs. I think that there are times... Well, that's my point, yeah. Right. There are times where I had a good friend who was Assemblies of God, and there was not one single doctrine that he and I disagreed on. And um, I, as a Southern Baptist, he is Assemblies of God... Those titles or those uh, tribes, Southern Baptists and Somebody's God, were more of our family, but then our distinct—you're seeing this individualism, um, this collection of thought that spans across just—we just happen—I just happened to go to Southern Baptist schools. He went to Somebody's God schools, so serving in churches is—that's where we're going to end up being, you know, generally speaking. Um, I think that that bridges a lot of gaps where you've got guys like Matt Chandler influencing Presbyterians and Somebody's God and those sort of people— as a Baptist, he does that. So that, I think that's a fascinating kind of point. Yeah, and Micah, I would agree with you to a point, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to it, and I'm going to say that there's probably two other root causes. And it's one is the, the, the quote-unquote megachurch phenomenon, the, the idea that you know, these large churches are getting larger. Because the larger, the larger a church gets, generally speaking, the less distinctives that it holds on to in terms right. of denominationalism. Sure. Um, so I, I think that it you also have the megachurch phenomenon. Yes, it becomes, it becomes its, its own, own denomination, basically. It, exactly, yeah. and you know, you add to that, you know, multi-site, which is a part of this large church. You know, out of out of the church growth movement came the mega church movement. Right, I mean, you can kind of see these waves of things happening. But I, I really think the driving factor, the, the the one biggest driving factor, not the only factor, but the one biggest driving factor is is a cultural and sociological phenomenon where we just love charismatic leadership. That's true in the United States. And, and by charismatic, you're out. not speaking theologically. You're talking about personality. Not theologically, just the no. no in, in, in terms of uh, personality, draw, 
Um, and, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad because, you know, a lot of charismatic leaders can be narcissists. Right. Um, not all, certainly, but it, it does, it, that is, if you are charismatic in nature, that, that is going to be something that you're going to struggle with um, j- just by sheer definition of what charisma is. Um, so, yeah, I'm not talking theologically. I'm just talking about our propensity as people, particularly in the United States, North America, to be drawn to charismatic leaders and away from those who are less charismatic. Um, so you see denominational lines breaking down, not, not because people are all of a sudden changing their theology. It's just like, I'm going to go over to this church because I really like the preacher. I really like the leader. I really like the person that's here. Another thing that uh, would kind of go along with that Internet situation is that we begin to have our eyes open to the idea that our tribe is not as pure as we thought it was. And there are no. people within our group that do uh, believe, teach, practice things that we were acting like was only over in that group, you know, and only over in those people. And so we began to see that our tribe's not as pure. Their tribe's not as impure. We have a lot of agreements across the board. We just happen to be. And I think that this idea of denominations has broken down too with the younger generations to where it's less about a theological stance and more about a community or a network. So that, that, that denominationalism dying and the networking rising um, where we we rally around causes and with some theological bends. We're, I'm not I'm not pretending that some of them aren't strictly theological, but um, I just think that there's just a uh, a liquiding or whatever you call it. It turns to liquid. It's not as solid as we thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know we're getting to the point to where in any one community, um, you just have to ask the question: What does that church? What does that individual church believe? Right. Um, you know there are still some pretty hard lines with things like the mode of baptism in denominations. But um, beyond some of those hard lines, I mean, when you, when you get into more secondary and tertiary issues of theology, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's across the board. And you can the same with, look at Southern Baptists. I mean, mm. you know, people think certain things of us, and it's, it's funny to hear people's perspectives from different parts of the country as to what a Southern Baptist is, but it is, it is still very broad. In right. terms of you know what kinds of churches are among our tribe in terms of the label Southern Baptist, I mean, it's very broad, um, and it's the same case for a lot of other denominations, networks, tribes as well. Um, it, it's not as narrow as there are still there are still some very narrow tribes. Don't get me wrong, but it's broader than most people realize. Right? Um, certainly, our tribe is. You know, the last thing that I would add to this before we uh, kind of close out the show is just this. I want to encourage people not to feel a pressure to be a part of every little pastor group or church group. I think sometimes uh, pastors can uh, kill themselves trying to go to all of these different little prayer meetings, and they feel like they're unspiritual or they'll be perceived as not spiritual or not a spiritual cooperative leader in the community. And really, you just got to, you know, you got to lead your group, lead your church. And our encouragement is not to heap guilt on you to make it to every prayer breakfast, but also, but to encourage you to, to look for opportunities to work outside of just the tribe that you're comfortable with. And, um, so don't want to make anybody feel that they've got to go to a million prayer breakfasts. Cause I certainly feel that sometimes. Well, you need to come to mine. Because <laughs> Cause that's the real one. That's going to change the community. Hey, before we leave, just want to remind everybody about the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, where we and other 
uh, friend partner podcast are um, you know promoting one another and encouraging one another and trying to help the church. One of one such podcast is Ask Me Anything. It's honest questions with quick answers. Co-host J.D. Greer and Todd Unziger will provide you with honest answers to some of your toughest questions. In each episode, you will hear Pastor J.D. answer a theological, ethical, or leadership question. So, whether you're attending, serving, or leading in the church, this podcast is for you. I really would encourage people to listen to that, particularly if you're not a church leader. This this is some great stuff that doesn't specifically go towards uh, church leadership, just Christians in general. And, uh, of course, Pastor J.D., I think it's a genius so um, I love listening to anything that he has to say. But that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.